Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Jamie Rosenberg, Assistant Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care, and during this podcast, we'll be diving into the complexities of value-based care and how payers are coping with these complexities. As value-based models continue to change the payment landscape in healthcare, they require more sophisticated data, analytics, and payment structures, which can not only lead to more administrative burden, but also siloed data. To explore this, we sat down with Dr. Imad Rizek, the CEO of Cotivity, to discuss the implications of quality and outcomes becoming a payment method, how to navigate obstacles such as siloed data, and what tools payers can use to mitigate the analytics burden. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. So as the U.S. continues to shift toward value-based care, we hear a lot about how to do this and how to do this successfully, but it's really important to first make sure everyone's on the same page with what actually constitutes value. Have you noticed that there's a challenge with matching definitions of value-based care and what it means and kind of what it entails across different stakeholders? Yeah, that's a very important question because the definition of value-based care is quite vast across the industry. There could be disease-specific value-based care where you're looking at at diabetics or at patients with hypertension and you're looking at quality metrics that actually are associated with that disease. That's a very narrow version of a definition of value-based care. You could also, the second part is look at populations. So you could take on an entire population of 100 and 200,000 people or even more than that, and you look at their well-being across a multi-year perspective, and that is across multiple diseases. That's another definition of value-based care. So you're looking at the benefit of that you are adding and the quality that is associated with a lot of comorbidities. That's a more complex definition of value-based care. The third one is more around uh, surgical procedures. Uh, If someone is going to have a hip surgery or a back surgery, do you include the value around just the surgery or do you begin to include in the bundle of value-based reimbursement also the primary care, the imaging, and then the post-care physical therapy? So in, right now in, our, in, in the industry, we have multiple definitions of value-based care, which really does create a little bit of confusion for providers. Right. And something you mentioned, in addition to just the F-face value definition of value-based care, there's also a rift between what stakeholders believe should be included. So as you mentioned, not only different services, but there could also be a challenge with different stakeholders that should be included in the conversation, for example, whether or not to include patient-reported outcomes. Do you see this as well? I think it makes sense to report patient-reported outcomes because I'm not sure that they should be they should be valued, but I also think that you should be looking at different specialties within value-based care. So when you are managing a, a diabetic or you're managing a patient with congestive heart failure, sometimes it is not just the primary care that's managing those patient populations. It is also either a cardiologist or an endocrinologist, and there's a social worker, there's also home health, and then there's the patient. 
I believe that when you're actually looking at disease specific, if it's if if you're going to narrow in on disease specific, you should leverage all of that data. You should not just leverage the primary care; you should also leverage the subspecialty and the specialist, the home care, the care management, the social worker, the case manager, and of course the patient. Because at the end of the day, we want to be able to have the best outcome with patients. So, with a variety of different payment models out there and the different data and analytics needed, is there an issue of just basic consistency across models of what they take into account and how they're measured? Yeah, I honestly do believe that the the value-based model is helpful from a payer perspective because the payer can actually track that there is a population, like I mentioned in the beginning, these subsets of value-based. It's either disease-specific or uh, surgical-specific or an entire population. However, the lack of consistency across this model creates real confusion on the provider because the provider can get a patient that they see and they do not know whether the reimbursement or the payment will be consistent across which model. They do not have transparency and it's very hard for providers to treat patients differently. But it does put the burden. When you think of value-based models, it does put the burden on the coordination of care and the outcomes of care back on the providers and the delivery system, which I do think is the biggest and most positive part of value-based models because they align the payers and the providers on a consistent outcome. With all these quality and outcomes measures, this obviously means a need for more data, and this is why I wanted to speak with you today. Uh, This is also a time with a push toward interoperability across electronic health records. What challenges are these things presenting to payers? It's the lack of interoperability and the lack of a single patient identifier. These two pieces create significant clinical impact on how payers see the outcome of their patients. I'll give you an example. Many of the providers right now are big, large health systems that own big, large physician practices. Sometimes the physician practice is on a different EMR than the actual hospital. Or if the hospital system has merged over the last five years, those hospital systems use different electronic medical records. And those electronic medical records do not interoperate. So you have a separate database for one company that uses uh, one hospital system that uses one company, another one for the physicians that might not necessarily interoperate, and another one for the hospital systems that are actually using a completely different EMR. And you could compound this because right now hospitals are acquiring outpatient centers, not just physicians, but surgical centers and all of this, who also are on different electronic medical records. So the lack of interoperability is really creating a problem that you could get a complete longitudinal view of a patient across time. Second is the definition of a patient. Uh, We do not have a single patient identifier. We do not measure Jamie or Imad or any of us across time and across all the scope of services that we are receiving. So that is something that Cotivity is doing. What we have done is we've looked backwards in our database because we have both clinical and financial, and we're identifying the single patient. We're identifying the patient 
over the last three to four years, depending on whoever, whichever payer they've gone to or whichever provider, and we're extracting that data into something called a data link. So we now have a longitudinal patient profile that is a, has a single patient identifier that actually is collecting data from all the different electronic medical records. So it gives us a complete picture of the data for that patient and those providers that are rendering care to him or her. There's also a significant administrative burden associated with collecting both EHR and claims data. Are there different ways to mitigate this? Yeah, I, I, I think we're in a good place electronically right now. You know, we're we're probably better in healthcare right now than we've been in the last 10 years because you have had significant uh, provider adoption of electronic medical records and electronic health records. So that's that's good. Uh, we have a more sort of a smarter consumer that is able to collect their data and make sense out of it when they speak to providers. But we also have the adjunct of new technology like machine learning and and, uh, natural language processing and artificial intelligence. Those those acronyms three, four years ago were just beginning, you know, machine learning and, and and artificial intelligence. And we're actually beginning to see fruit from that, from those technologies. We're able to identify even manual uh, writings of, of outcomes of labs and x-rays that we could digitize those and get it. So I think there there is a burden where you have to bring all of the data together. There is a little bit of a burden where some, you know, there's the 10 to 15% that are still not completely digitized that you have to bring handwritten notes. And also there's a burden getting it all together around the patient and the provider and having a complete data set. But with the adjunct of a lot of these new technologies, it's facilitating it quite bit, quite quickly. And it's actually the adoption of all of this in healthcare has really accelerated over the last three years. Are there also tools to help with the challenges of aggregating siloed data and making sense of it all? And is this something Cotivity is working on? Yes. As I mentioned, there's, uh, there, there's two things that you really have to do to be able to aggregate data. You have to normalize the data, and then you have to sort of aggregate it along a single dimension, which is the single patient identifier. We do that uh, across all of our, our, uh, our, our businesses. So we have a risk adjustment business. We have quality. We have claims, which is the financial data. We have population health management. All of those right now, we have created a single ingestion engine. Think of it as a single funnel and a pipe that kind of brings all the data into one centralized pipe, and that centralized pipe will go through this aggregation process that will be a single patient identifier, and then it will go into this big data lake. And this data lake literally is, is, is hydrated, which is more data is coming into it daily and, and weekly and monthly, and it's associated with the patient identifier. I think for any organization to be able to truly effectively implement value-based reimbursement have to have a level, whether we call it a data lake or a data repository that is associated with all data that is both financial and clinical, which includes labs and, and pharmacy and, and even patient demographics 
along a single patient identifier. Without that, it would be very difficult to do comprehensive value-based reimbursement. <laughs> and how are smaller practices disadvantaged in this? They probably lack the resources that hospital loans or large health systems have to be able to handle all this. Is there anything available to try and help these organizations specifically? Well, as you know, the smaller practices is a bit of a, uh, it's getting smaller uh, over the years. You, you, you now have seen the growth of large physician groups and uh, large multi-specialty groups and that are either independently standing or owned by hospital systems. So, of course, the, the burden on smaller practices with the investment into electronic medical records and the ability to be able to submit electronically and receive data electronically from payers is a large burden. And when you do have a small uh, practice and a very large percentage of it is being sort of invested into your technology, it does put a burden. And that's probably why you see a lot of very small physician practices joining larger physician practices and or joining hospital systems and, and, and going on their network. So yes, it is a burden. Uh, there are tools. Some of these tools are, are helpful. There's electronic medical records that are not on a high uh, cost point and on a lower cost point. They can do that, but it will continue to be a burden as a percentage of total revenue. And where does the government fit into all of these challenges? What role should they or could they play in trying to help mitigate challenges like these that maybe different organizations can't do on their own? I think the government has been doing a, a relatively good job in continuing to push the dialogue of interoperability. I, I do sometimes hope and, and wish that we would be further along with interoperability. So I do think that the, that the government should continue to push many of the organizations that are, that are out there, uh, private, public, uh, across the board, to be able to share data with each other for the benefit of the patient, for the benefit of managing these populations and making sure that we don't miss any care gaps for some of our patients. So I think the government can continue to push that. I'm not sure if it's a mandate, but it can work with the private industry to make sure that they're, be, you know, they're appropriately sharing data with each other to create that level of interoperability. The second thing is the government could continue to mandate quality outcome. I think that, that that exists right now. We could continue to have that it is important associated with any payment that there is a quality counterpart to it, there, that we're measuring a hemoglobin A1C on a readily basis to make sure that a diabetic is controlled, that we are measuring that people are filling their prescriptions and that they're, they're well managed, whether it's hypertension or congestive heart failure or diabetes. So I think to, be, to continue to push that the, the payment is not just based on uh, care that's rendered, but quality care that's rendered. And I think lastly, the government can help facilitate payers and providers beginning to share information. And I think this has been something that I've been saying now for over 20 years, even before it was, you know, vogue to say. But I do think that there's a lot of data that basically sits with physicians or with hospital systems or with home health or with uh, nursing homes and with payers. And all of those are siloed databases. And I do believe that those siloed databases have to have some connectivity to be able around the patient to be able to have a complete and thorough picture of that patient. 
So I think the government is continuing to do this. I, I, I've spoken to a few members of HHS and Medicare, and I believe this is high on their agenda. Uh, they are pushing interoperability. They are helping a lot of the aggregation of data across multiple care sites. And also for uh, value-based care, they're, they're continuing to Im- increase the payments uh, from purely financial to a more value-based care payments. Great. So that's all the questions I have for you. Was there anything else you wanted to mention or bring up that we haven't talked about yet? No, no. I, I, I thank you for the time. And the one thing I would add is for any payer or provider that's out there that wants to truly do value-based care, they should pick certain geographies where they have good relationships with providers and the providers have a good relationship with payers and start to use those as test sites. I think that's one thing we did not discuss, Jamie, is if a payer finds a single geography where they have a very good relationship with a hospital system and a very good relationship with the physicians, it will be really good to start creating sort of an experimental model in getting a single patient identifier around zip codes or around a geography and really prove that out where you have single patient identifier getting all the financial data and all the clinical data and truly having comprehensive value-based care taking place. If you start small, implement it, get your lessons learned, and keep growing, I think that would be one recommendation I would have to all your listeners. Right. I think that's a great point. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. To learn more, visit ajmc.com or see the show notes. You can get in touch with us by emailing info at ajmc.com or by following us on Twitter at ajmc underscore journal. Finally, if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in.